Hello, you're listening to Dear Reader, a book talk show featuring chatty librarians bringing you reading recommendations and a whole lot of book loving. I'm Louise Cadell and I'm here with my fellow librarian and bibliophile, Bernadine Nolan. Um, and we are coming to you today from Melbourne Library Service. Ooh, Melbourne Libraries. All right. Um, oh, before we get started... We want to remind you that you can download Dear Reader episodes at SoundCloud and iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service and subscribing. All the books we mention will be listed in our show notes on our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and you'll find it on the read page. Okay, let's start talking bits. Okay, what's our theme, Burn? The theme today is banned books. Dun, dun, dun. Um, banned books? What do we mean by banned books? Banned books are books that have been deemed to be politically incorrect, culturally insensitive, racially motivated, etc., etc. Sexually explicit. And deemed by the censorship board of particular countries to be banned. America leads the way, or the great United States of America <laughs> leads the way, and there are numerous websites where you can actually find a list of banned books for the decades, and you can also find lists of challenged books, and yeah. they are quite a good read. So today we've just selected a few. I'm also going to actually talk about 14 classic children's books that have been banned at some stage in the United States. Which is quite controversial, children's books. It is, and we've got a little bit of a surprise at the end of that, because although it's not a picture book, uh, I think people will be surprised that something that most people have used in their lifetime, possibly not so much now, but when they were definitely at school, uh, so stay tuned and keep listening, dear reader. Oh, exciting stuff. All right, does that mean, uh, am I going first? You can, Does that mean me dear. first? All right. So my my list of banned books, I was chatting to Burn earlier and I decided that they're all classics and they sort of make me wonder whether books that have been banned become instant classics because of the banning or are they really just you know, far ahead of their time and their ideas and subject matter, you know, were they written in times that were too conservative for the times they were printed in? Possibly. Possibly. Um, So in the books that I chose, it seems like that's the case to me. Anyway, I chose three classics and my first one is Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Woohoo! Woohoo! And Um, this one will have been on plenty of school reading lists across Australia. Um, and as far as I know, I can remember reading it at school as a school text. Yeah. Don't be put off by that, dear reader. <laughs> I think it, I, I think, yeah, I think you're right. It is, it is on a lot of text, uh, school text lists now. But in Australia, it was banned from 1932 to 1937. So there was a period of five years, literally right after it was published. It was available in Britain. It was available in the USA, but Australia was like, no, we're not having it. And that was largely led by, I think, the Catholic Church um, really pushed that. And it was a good good five years before we could even get it in. And it still comes up as a challenge book. Yeah, really? Really. And it is over 90 years old. Wow. So it's a quite, a, quite interesting to see that this debate and the challenge and the banning of it has, has still been part of its 
readability. Yeah, or it's lure, or it's still it's it's still controversial. I can see why it is still controversial. There are some great themes. So I'll just talk about it really quickly. It's set in a future London, if you haven't read it, that is. It follows the fortunes of the illegitimate son of a senior governor who has grown up in America outside the new empire and who experiences a dramatic culture clash when he has to live under its rules. Uh, the novel anticipates developments in reproductive technology, sleep learning, psychological manipulation, and classical conditioning. So there's a lot of super heavy themes. Um, Aldous Huxley was a prolific writer and a prolific thinker of the future and where we're headed. I was just going to say, people listening to us now would say, oh, he was just a futurist. Yeah, it's it's incredible. A forward thinker. Yeah, and it's just... So on its, on its publication, it earned various mixed reviews um but it's it's seen as one of the most significant novels of the 20th century and it consistently ranks high in a lot of important novel lists it's definitely one of my favorites the title of brave new world is borrowed from shakespeare's the tempest and it's um when naive miranda is raised on a desert island and she says how beauteous mankind is a brave new world that has such people in it and that's when she first encounters people other than her own family and it's you know, um, it's it's ironic and um, it's it's all about how in, in the actual book, Brave New World, there are no goodly creatures. There's, you know, everyone in it is kind of loathsome. They're not, there's no real good people. There's no real winners. They're kind of awful. And this Brave New World is an awful place. So it's it's a great, <laughs> it's a great setup. It's a great um, um, title. But um, so Huxley was highly educated and his interests were uh, science and literature and He'd ha- already had four novels published before this one came along, and they all dealt with philosophy and ethical dilemmas. And apparently, he wrote this book in retaliation to H.G. Wells, who was a optimist of the future. And sort of Huxley was like, mm, I don't know if it's going to go like that. Let's just have a see. He was like, I think this isn't going to be great. Um, so the book, the book only became unbanned in inverted commas in 1937. When a member of the Literature Censorship Board, it, when they just started reading it, came across on their desk and they're like, okay, we can lift this ban. That's great. <laughs> and apparently apparently all the libraries that then wrote to the federal government and were like, hey, can we have our books back now? The federal government wrote back and were like, sorry, they've been incinerated. Oh, no. Yeah. So banned books meant burning books. I didn't even know that. Oh, yes. So. Yes. Well, we do know some that got during a period of history um yeah so if you i don't know if you've read it dear reader but i would highly recommend it it is a classic there are some chilling themes and chilling even more so today when you think about how long ago he wrote this novel and how a lot of it hasn't come to pass but even more so you can see now how it could and how you know there's a lot of eugenics in it about um Humans being made in test tubes and See, no longer a needing. Futurist, yeah, really. it's, it's it's pretty full on, but they're great. I mean, you know, as a story, it it gets you thinking, and you can definitely tell that he wrote it with a purpose in mind. It's not necessarily uh, the most beautifully written book. No, you know, it's not. yeah, it's purposeful storytelling, I guess. 
but it's fabulous. So that that was my first book that I that I read. I can highly recommend. A bit of a short review, but you know we've got a lot to talk about today. There are lots of books that are banned, and that's the problem for us. <laughs> yeah, is, how could we is, choose? How could we choose? <laughs> um, so I'm just going to read something. This is uh, actually from the acting customs minister John Perkins on the 11th of May 1938. Mm. Um, this is in Australia, and it is certain publications are being imported into Australia, which have no literary or intellectual value and are obviously published in order to cater for those seeking to satisfy depraved tastes for morbidity, sadism, sensuality, etc. These books are usually printed in luridly attractive covers and are retailed at prices ranging as low as threepence or fourpence a copy. Shock horror. Shock Horror. So they're, they're cheap and dirty. You can pick them up easy. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. Books. Uh, and one of these ones that was two and six was uh, Mickey Spillane book, Vengeance is Mine. Uh, however, here in Australia, literary and scholarly works made up only a small proportion of the publications banned by Australian customs. The bulk of prohibited imports were pulp fiction novels, comics, magazines and pornographic material. These items were considered to be a threat not only to our morals but also to Australia's literary standards. Mm. They were banned by customs under special provisions introduced in 1938 to address the growing number of cheap books and magazines entering the country. So that's just the start of our banning. Um, Adult magazines were often subject to blanket prohibition. Uh, lasting years, the popular American men's magazine Playboy was banned in Australia from 1953 to 1960. Wow, I didn't know that. Yes, it was considered obviously obscene by the censor and adult magazines and other pornographic material were also criticised by feminist anti-pornography groups which argued that these publications objectify women. So there's been quite a few and although... Um, Playboy was actually able to be sold from memory I think that it was actually put in a brown paper bag in Uh, news agents to be sold yeah because obviously the cover I think that came up the first book I'm actually going to do because I've just deviated right away from it (laughs) uh, was the very popular Hunger Games trilogy by Suzanne Collins Um, this is a young adult trilogy and if you haven't read the books, you good. may have seen the movie. Yeah, the books are great, though. They are fantastic uh, reads. The reasons that these books were banned were because they were anti-family, they were anti-ethnic, they were insensitive, used offensive language, they had uh, the occult and satanic parts, and there was certainly a lot of violence. Which were the satanic parts? I. I can't even remember. <laughs> it's so strange. It is, but um, they this series was very popular and it actually encouraged many non-readers to open up a book and delve into the world of action, adventure and romance. And I think part of this was, A, it was written by a female and it, it was quite quite violent but it the was, concept is violent too the, co- the, the concept, concept is, is violent, awful but it's also a quest novel 
Yeah. If you really look at it, you can trace it back to being a quest novel. Um, the Hunger Games itself was one of the ten most challenged titles in 2011, I go to say. However, this is a segue into the fact that the movie format was number one at the box office in 2012. Mm -hmm. So we've banned the book in places, but out comes the movie in the same place, and it is a number one box seller. So to me, there's this double standard yeah. of, of the book and the film. And when we actually go through some of the books that we're talking about today, dear reader, you will find that the books have been banned, but the movies have actually been released, whether it be to a PG rating or an R rating. Yeah, I have I have the same. same. I have the same uh, in a book I will review later. Exactly. Interesting. So when it's a, a movie format, the level of violence is more readily accepted than in a book format. So which which I find it is quite the the fact that books are still being banned is I wonder what that says about the power of the imagination then. Because it seems to me like you can control what people see, but you can't control, control what they what imagine. So in a way, it's it's strange to think, in, in a nice way, it's strange to think that uh, obviously books are held higher in terms of influencing people than films. It's a bit strange. It, it is. But... Uh, but, was... I, I, but I love it because books do inspire independent thought and they do inspire you to there is a there is obviously a level of someone else showing you something they've showed you how they want you to see that whereas exactly. you're using your imagination no one can no one can paint the picture but you and how many times do you read a book and the movie comes out and you look and think oh that's not my idea yeah that's true that's oh no I wouldn't have put that actor yeah you're like oh, oh I don't I like that or that or that scene no. was weird or that that didn't happen in the book really how interesting it is and going into that uh, one of their books that has been banned, which has also been on reading lists, um, is All Quiet on the Western Front by Eric Maria Remarque. Mm, beautiful. Um, although many books found themselves in the Nazi book burning bush bonfires of 1933, including Kafka, Thomas Mann, Einstein, yeah. none were as critical of wartime Germany as All Quiet on the Western Front. Wow. And that's a that's actually a theme as well, isn't it, for banned books? Any books like Catch Twenty Two by Joseph Hellier commenting on the anything Vietnam that criticises the current yeah. government or status or war, quo, especially why we're in a war, what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, the if you haven't read it, Paul Burma enlisted with his classmates in the German Army of World War One. Youthful, enthusiastic, they became soldiers, but despite what they had learned, they break into pieces under the first bombardment in the trenches. And as horrible as war plods on year after year, Paul holds fast to a single vow to fight against the principles of hate that meaninglessly pits young men of the same generation but different uniforms against each other. If only he can come out of the war alive. The New York Times book review said, the world has a great writer in Enric Maria Remarque. He is a craftsman of unquestionably first track, a man who can bend language to his will. Whether he writes of men or of inanimate nature, his touch is sensitive, firm and sure. Um, and this, that book I just thought was just beautiful. And the movie? Nothing. Nothing. It really? Just, came out. just couldn't capture it? 
Um, I think the movie probably did a really good job, but it certainly didn't come under the censorship laws that All mm. Quiet on the Western Front did. No, it's funny, isn't it? I think oh, I really I love this idea. I love thinking about it. yeah, and that's that's essentially why we we thought to do banned books, didn't we? Because yep. we thought this is. You'd think in this day and age that books don't get banned and they, they still regularly do or they get challenged, like you said, or they get taken off syllabuses and or they get taken away from children and you just think, really? Which, in a weird segue, brings me back to my next book, which, which is? is a classic, 1984 by George oh. Orwell. Oh. And I kind of mention it because it was a bit quite trendy last year, I reckon, in terms of everyone being like, oh, Trump America is very 1984. Can we also say, too, that Animal Farm, written by George Orwell, yeah. was also, was a, also banned a banned book. book. Yeah, he was leading the charge with banned books. Well, was he ever? <laughs> For those who haven't read it, and there is no shame if you have yet to pick it up, I was very late into the game and I love it now. It's definitely one yeah. of my favourite books. Maybe not favourite in terms of... Uh, I don't need to read it again and again. It's It's got strong messages that you, you'll never forget. A very powerful. Very powerful writer. Again, like Aldous Huxley, who's also one of my favourites. Uh, it's all about the ideas and the subversive nature of um, what he's trying to achieve. And it's, it's pitch perfect and it's still applicable. Which applies to Animal Farm because it was actually um, written and Stalinist Russia was seen as the target for that one. Yeah. But one of, the, one of the, the main things from Animal Farm is all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. I know. It's just... Welcome, 1984. So clever, so clever. <laughs> so for those who maybe aren't so sure what it's about, um, it's a dystopian novel. It was published in 1949 by George Orwell, and it's set in Airstrip 1, which is formerly Great Britain, Britain. a province of the superstate Oce- Oceania. Um, whose residents are victims of perpetual war and omnipresent uh, government surveillance and gross public manipulation. So, Oceania's public political ideology, sorry, euphemistically named English socialism. Fake news. I know. I know. And or in you speak, which is the government's invented language that replaced English or old speak. So, and, and it's enforced, the English socialism is enforced by the privileged elite inner party via the thought police. The inner party persecutes individualism and independent thinking, which are regarded as thought crimes. So there's made up languages, there's, uh, you know, mysterious, this mysterious leader known as Big Brother, who is this <laughs> cult personality who just oversees everything and everyone. Um, this is where obviously the Big Brother TV series, series came from. from, Big Brother's always watching. Um, so if if there's no other reason to read this book apart from finding out where that that notion of Big Brother came, came from. from. Yeah, read read this book. It's 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 important for for a myriad of reasons. Um, the fake news, all this Ministry of Truth, um, you know, the the characters um, not knowing who to trust and being diligent workers who work actively to destroy history. You know, um, so the don't you think though with the current. American political system and the Russians being involved in making sure that Hillary didn't get voted back into the White House fits directly into this. Well, this this is kind of the point, right? I yeah. mean, so, you know, and it's it's absolutely wonderful, I think, that so many people drew connections between what's happening in real life with a, with a book that was written in when was 49, it published? 49. 49. You know, so after World War II, 
Um, you know, so the world was. So it'll be seventy next year. Yeah, and we are still talking about still, it. And it's it's still a scary future. You know, it's still it's still something that could happen, or you know, I mean, it could happen is is quite large to say, but it's there's definitely a lot of parallels you can draw, and it's it's eerie how on the money, um, Orwell was. So you know, um, it's it centers around the main character Winston Smith, and he's a diligent worker for the Ministry um, of Truth, and so basically his job is to. Uh, every time the government says they have a war, he has to go back and rewrite the news or re- rewrite the history in, a, in terms to sort of make the government always look like it's good. So it's just this falsification, really where fake news sort of began. One of the notes I wrote for um, Animal Farm, because it's George Orwell still, mm. is today it is devastatingly clear that wherever and whenever freedom is attacked under whatever banner, the cutting clarity and savage comedy of George Orwell's masterpiece have a meaning and message still ferociously fresh. And I think that applies yeah. to 1984 100%. as well as what it does. And it's, you know, it's always on lists of best novels. Um, Reading yeah. lists for secondary school. Schools, everything. It's and been made into a play. Oh, movies of plays. Like, yeah. It's been plagiarised. So many of the terms and concepts such as Big Brother, Double Think, Thought Crime, Newspeak, Room 101, Telly Screen, 2 plus 2 equals 5. Um, those those are common kind of phrases that we might refer to or that you might read in other things. And that's, that's from Orwell. Yeah. And that's, you know, incredible. Um the reason I chose it is because, A, it sort of, to me, seemed quite buzzy last year and a lot of people were talking about it again. A lot of, it kind of found its way back into the top ten of book lists um, mm. last year again, which is, which is great. And um, I guess in terms of Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, there's been a lot of comparisons between the two. And, you know, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World came 17 years prior, but they're both uh, predictions of societies dominated by a central government and are both based on extensions or trends of their time. However, the difference between the two, which is why I was really interested in in putting them together, was that um, the ruling class of 1984 used force. So they're brutes, they torture, torture, they control people in mind. But in Brave New World, they keep citizens in line by addictive drugs and pleasurable distractions. And there's sort of, there's, there's so many parallels with today that I see with that. And it's, it's, it's just incredibly smart. It's incredibly intelligent. You know, you just think, how, how did they come up with that? And I know I even read that, um, upon reading 1984, Huxley sent a letter to Orwell and wrote that it would be more efficient for rulers to stay in power by the softer touch by allowing citizens to seek <laughs> self-seek pleasure to control them rather than brute force and to allow a false sense of freedom. So he said, Within the next generation, I believe the world world's rulers will, will discover that infant conditioning and narco-hypnosis are more effective as instruments of government control rather than clubs or prisons and that the lust for power can be just as completely satisfied by suggesting people into loving their servitude as it can be by flogging or kicking them into obedience so even this this strange debate between them about oh my my way is the future or, you know you know i think my way is more plausible is is just as excellent Quite interesting, isn't yeah it? it would be it would be interesting to have the two of them here today yeah for us to be able to ask out. them questions and see 
how how they foresaw for sort the world now as to when they actually wrote those books. Yeah, and to see and and to put it in context now and to say, well, did you did you think about this or yeah. yeah. It'd, it'd be so fascinating. So well, I mean, you know, we can't do that. We can't. We can't. That was that was my second was band book. It was really really great. Um, what about you? What do you got now? I've got that old perennial classic, The Catcher in the Rye, by oh. J. D. Salinger. Now, this book has the fascinating double distinction of being both the most banned and the second most taught book in American schools. How crazy! <laughs> So its defenders see it as the definitive look at the frustrations and ennui of teenage life, whereas its prosecutors have seen it as causing everything from murders to suicide to the spread of communist oh, ideas in America. Moral corruption at its finest. And really, um, banning a book due to its depiction of teenage rebellion is just going to make rebellious teenagers seek it out. Oh, do you think? Do you think so they ban it just so they read it? They're like, oh, you can't possibly read this book, and then you know, slowly slip it under the table. Well, it's a bit like we had a teacher at school. I mean, if he ever wanted you to read a book, he always said you shouldn't read it because it was one of those books that children or students of your age wouldn't understand mm. or that there were bits in it that um, weren't appropriate for your age group so of course that made everybody want to read it so it just does doesn't it I it, remember as a kid uh, my sister was the problem child of the family and my mum bought her that Steen, Stephen Covey book seven habits of highly effective <laughs> teenagers and I remember being really annoyed I was like why does she get that book and I don't get that book? And I was just like, hey. And so I just read it because because yeah, it wasn't for me. So, <laughs> Which leads us to our coming up. We are going to be reviewing self-help books, dear ah, readers. Excellent, yep. Uh, so that will stay be a tuned future for topic. that one uh, because we're not necessarily saying that they're all good. Or helpful. Or helpful. Oh, I should have left that story for then. Damn oh, it, it's too late. The hero narrator of The Catcher in the Rye, getting back to this book, <laughs> is an ancient child of 16, a native New Yorker named Holden Caulfield. Through circumstances that tend to preclude adult second-hand description, he leaves his prep school in Pennsylvania and goes underground in New York City for three days. The boy himself is at once too simple and too complex for us to make any final comment about him or his story. Uh, perhaps the safest thing we can say about Holden is that he was born in the world not just strongly attached to duty but almost hopelessly impaled on it mm. um, and that's a quote um, so there's lots of voices in these books there's children's voices adult voices underground voices um, but Holden's voice is, is extremely eloquent towards the overarching book uh, but there's a, there is a little painful interlude and one does feel extremely caught up with Holden. So um, it's an interesting book. It's not a hard read, but a lovely read in ways. It's quite subtle. It's a subtle story. Eloquent writing. Yeah, you just you feel like you're just wandering around with him. Yes, and it's, you know? it's one of those books, I think, that depending on where you are in your life you can actually go back and reread it and get something different from it depending yeah, on where you are at that time in your life yeah um, and I certainly found that I looked at it 
very differently as my age now to when I first read it. Yeah, and that's sort of it, isn't it? It's pitched as a coming-of-age novel, but I think that's too easy to put it under that. It's it's just it's a great just... novel about who when you when you're thinking about what you want to do or who you want to be and mm. how the world works and you're sort of and you know the, the world is not easy for some people and there are people who will always find it hard because they don't conform mm. um to what our society's expectations are and yet that doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad people no it's just that we can't accept them well that even having those feelings at any one time means that they're going to last forever or this is how it's going to be it's yeah it's really interesting it's a beautiful book it is. So, your next one, Miss right. Classic. My, my other classic. Uh, I chose this one a bit pointedly. It is ooh, American ooh. Psycho by Brett Easton Ellis. Ooh, ooh, I chose ooh. this one because it is still banned in the state of Queensland in Australia. Well, of so, course. <laughs> I used to work I'm at a bookstore. I used to work at a bookstore in Queensland and... Yeah, every now and then we'd get someone ask if we have it and we would say, no, you can't buy it <laughs> in Queensland, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But so having, pretty much that's been from 1991 to now. Having said that, it is still not available on an open shelf no, in, our, and, in our libraries. And that is also why so I chose it because I, because I figured some people might not even know that we have it. So, dear reader, if you do want to, yes, you can have it. You just have you to come to the desk and the ask. Yeah, which Please is interesting. Ask. You have to so you have to come and ask Please us about ask. it. Which, uh, in light of your earlier comment about films being okay, because there was a film, um, American Psycho, um, that's quite famous as well in its mm. potentially in its own right. And I find it very strange that I am almost certain that the uh, movie is just out on the shelf, but the book is not. Um, I know it's totally different. You could just start reading. You can't just, you know, magically start watching a DVD as it's there. But it's, yeah, that concept of, oh, the, the film is fine, but, you know, we need to we need to keep the book away from people. It's Remember, too, it's also been made into a Broadwood mus- Broadway musical. Has it? It has. Ooh. It has. Well, there you go. And, I, you know, it's not it's not banned without reason. There are some horrific detailed passages. And, yes. you know, there's, there's sort of a level where you think, I don't, I don't know if I need to keep reading this. And I've tried to read this twice now and I haven't been able to get through it. And I think life is a bit short and I don't think I need to finish it. But that is also because there is an incredible amount of detail uh, on things like the stitching on a shirt cuff and things like that. And this is all part of the character. This is all part of the character of Patrick Bateman and his his sort of shallow attachment to material things and consumerism and then, you know, sort of coinciding with his murderous um, desires. And it's it's sort of incredibly dull and then incredibly gory and then just, you know very misogynistic against women um some parts but men die too you know there's it's it's violent it's violent it's gory um and in you you feel shallow i i felt shallow reading it i felt very flat because there's just you just want something human to grab onto and and you just feel like you can't so 
Um, a lot of the critics um, have sort of said that it's it's sort of a shallow and and, and it's, it's all the vicious aspects of capitalism. So it's thought to be a very intelligent book. Um, with these characters are, you know, predominantly concerned with material gain and superficial appearances. And these traits are indicative of the postmodern world in which we live in, you know, where the surface remains um, reigns supreme. Yes. So that's why I chose this book because, again, it was written in 1991 or published, sorry, in 1991, hmm. but new, this this is kind of... Apolitic horror. Yeah. It's it's sort of a snapshot in, in certain degrees of either how we haven't changed or how even these, these sort of notions have gotten bigger and expanded. So these this group of people are very wealthy Wall Street types who have fabulous apartments and eat at fabulous restaurants, but it's sort of like you can see some of the personality traits filtering down to a lot of different types of people now. Psychopaths. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's ambivalent. Um, did this happen? Did it not? Is he just a psychopath? Is it just all in his head? You're not really sure. No. Um, I think that's the disturbing part of that book too. Yeah, I think so. And, it, I mean, I, I quite like aspects of of that sort of narrative in that you there's no easy answers huh. um, because that's sort of life. But it does mess with your mind. <sighs> Definitely. So, you know... It's not for the squeamish, dear reader. No, it is It is definitely not. And it's sort of, yeah, you know, particularly the parts where Bateman can is, is obsessing over, I mean, he just killed this girl and he's sort of obsessing about how she, she's just nothing. And you just think, oh, my goodness, this is just these awful thoughts. And it's sort of, it's very interesting when you're reading it that you don't want to take this in because you feel, I felt, in order to take it in meant that I would somehow be complicit in these actions or that, you know, it's kind of funny how reading has this real hold over you. So in that respect, I can see how maybe a book is a bit more than a, um, a movie in that respect. So in conclusion, it was the band book that I chose, uh, like I said, purely based on the fact that it is still banned. Yeah. <laughs> it's still banned. And, you know, you can get it from the library. It's behind the desk. Like I said, it's restricted to over 18s. Um, but I have to stress, I'm not, this isn't a recommendation as such. I wouldn't, I don't, I'm not going to recommend it as a novel to read. It's not, I didn't find it very enjoyable. Um, doesn't mean that you won't, but it's very heavy. So be warned. Be warned. All right. Be warned. And I'm going to finish off the segment today. Um, Children's books you would not think would be banned or their subject matter wouldn't be subject to banning. No, but, I would never thought. Um, there are some that have obviously been banned. So I'm just going to very briefly discuss uh, or talk about some of them. The first one, and we knew the book here in Australia as Where's Wally? It was published in the States as Where's Waldo? And it's by Martin Hanif Hanford. It was published in 87. The book was banned because it showed a topless beachgoer. Now, for anybody <laughs> who's... I was who's, just like, why? Well, why is Where's Wally? Where? Where? Uh, so for anyone who's actually read the Where's Wally books, it is so hard to pinpoint where Wally or where Waldo is, let alone a semi-naked topless beachgoer. But anyhow... Oh, so is it because you have to scan every yeah. single person to find him? That is so good. It was reprinted because then they actually took that beachgoer out. Put a, put a bikini... <laughs> was, it, was it her? Yeah. Put a bikini, bikini top, top on her. Uh, <laughs> and, and the clip from it is quite obvious, but yes, really. Um, 
So the, the second one was The Giving Tree by Sheryl Silverstein. Uh, that was published in 88. Now, this is a favourite. It's beautiful green yeah, cover. Got it's the, gorgeous. Got the tree. Absolutely, the tree. Absolutely beautiful. It was banned from the public library in Colorado because it was considered sexist. Right. And it was also challenged by several schools because it criminalised the foresting agency. <sighs> so these are where some of these challenges and the bans come from. And we'll also put a little side note on the website if anybody's interested in as to how a book can be challenged or why it can be challenged and the reasons that it can be challenged or banned. Now, number three on my list is Winnie the Pooh by A.A. Oh, Mel. Winnie the Pooh. Um, this particular publication was 2006 and this was banned because talking animals are somehow considered an insult to God, oh. resulting in the books banning throughout random parts of the United States. Uh, mm. Now, several institutions in Turkey and the UK have also banned the book, uh, claiming that the character of Piglet is offensive to Muslims. Um, other institutions claim that the book revolves around Nazism. So wow. there, there are legitimate concerns for a lot of these, these bannings. Um, and if it is um, an insult or offensive to cultural groups, um, they, they do have the right to ask that it's yeah. censored. Uh, James and the Giant Peach by Roald Dahl. What? Uh, this, and I, I love this one, um, this was, the copy was 1999. The book was banned from an elementary school in Texas because it no included the word ass. <laughs> and I just thought they certainly didn't, read his revolting rhymes oh my god no they didn't they certainly would have banned that one uh number five on my list harriet the spy by louise fitzhugh hmm. that was 1983 it was banned from several schools and these are mainly schools that have asked for these books to be banned not libraries uh it was a bad example for children it was also challenged for for teaching children to lie spy talk back and curse Ooh. So, dear reader, don't read Louise. Oh, my goodness. You heard it Harriet here first. The spy. <laughs> um, this one was rather interesting. Anne Frank, The Diary of a Young Girl. Um, the 50th anniversary definitive edition was banned by a Virginia school because of its sexual content and homosexual themes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, additionally, the book was previously banned by several schools in the United States. Because, dear reader, it was too depressing. <laughs> uh, most recently, and this is May of 2013, uh, Michigan mum tried to get the book banned due to its pornographic tendencies. The Diary of Anne Frank. Frank. Oh, my goodness. So I, I haven't read it in a long time, but now I'm feeling like I need to dip I, back in. I am. Um, I really do think I'm going to go back and reread it because... <laughs> Why? Uh, Goodness. Seriously. Um, but it just goes to show you what some people can pick up in a yeah. in a book. Yeah. Uh, Bridge to Terabitha by Catherine Patterson. Oh, I love this book. Oh, very um, sad. Though. 1998. It was banned from several classrooms in Pennsylvania on accounts of profanity, disrespect for adults, 
and an elaborate fantasy world that might lead to confusion. Wow. Oh, how dare we how dare we let kids imagine things that aren't true. Exactly. But it was also banned by other schools for its use of the phrases oh lord and mm. lord. Mm. Okay, all right. We'll, we'll give them that one. Move on. Charlotte's Web. Oh, why? By uh... E.B. White. Similar to Winnie the Pooh because talking to talking animals are considered an insult to God. Okay. Once again, Winnie the Pooh movie, Charlotte's Web. No, 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 no problem. No problem at all. How strange. So we can accept something in a movie form, but Concept not in a book. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, this and one I know. Remember, this was 1900. Apparently, oh, references goodness. to sexual fantasies and masturbation in this book resulting in its ban from classrooms in states of the United States. Yep. Uh, since this original banning, the book has been challenged by thousands of other institutions, most famously in the 1960s, in the fear that it would promote drug use. I said I was children. thinking the drug use. Yeah, drug definitely. Use. Go down that statistic. Go through the door you can't fit through. Oh, yeah. I love it. Follow the white rabbit. <laughs> now, next one was Where the Wild Things Are by yeah. Morris Pendak. He also had In the Night in the Night Garden banned uh, mm. because it showed a naked child. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, Where the Wild Things Are was banned because, uh, and this was immediately following its publication, um, it is because it was due to the promotion of witchcraft and supernatural events. So poor old Max. Um, No, no no, fantasy life. No fantasy life. So there we go. That's just 10 of those top ones. Oh, ones that I thought you would say is I know The Lorax by Dr. Seuss was very challenged and got banned. It has Um, been banned. Yeah, because of its anti-logging sentiments and... I love how um, I read a quote that he was like, yes, I exactly mean to <laughs> to rub rub things in and put messages into children's books. This is why I'm doing this. So I love how he's just like, good. <laughs> and, you know, oh. books like, I know Harry Potter's been banned. Harry Potter. Supernatural witchcraft. Yeah. Um, I think Harry Potter leads the way for the children's or young adult novels that have been most severe or well highly most challenged yeah i would say so um and there's a lot of stuff there religious stuff as well and you know um so yeah harry potter books are pretty popular for that which is a shame but it kind of makes you appreciate when you think about you know you think about something awful and 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 gross like american psycho and you think about you know um we need the poo kind of gives you the wide spectrum, spectrum. of humanity, right? You know, yeah. we've we've got all types and, and people people interpret things in wildly different ways, which is what we love about reading. And that's exactly. what we love about the library and about books in general. And what one person reads into a book, another one doesn't. Yeah. So, dear reader, this is what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's our show. You can read our show notes, including a list of the books we haven't finished yet on our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and it's on the read page. We would also love you to tell us what you're still reading or ask us for a recommendation or for you to give us a recommendation. 
Tweet us at Meld Library with the hashtag Reader. Dear Reader. Dear Reader. Or join the conversation on Goodreads. And don't forget, you can subscribe and download Dear Reader episodes at iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service. That's a fact. You can search us by searching Melbourne Library Service. Find us. Find us. If you like what you're hearing on Dear Reader, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others find out about us and it makes us feel super duper special. Nice. Uh, so until next time. That's over and out, dear reader. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.